This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Hey everyone, it's the Forever Mighty Podcast. It's all three of us today, back for the Saturday show. Um, quite a bit to talk about, uh, not a lot of games to talk about, but a lot of duck stuff we can kind of go over here. We wanted to bring you guys up to speed on, uh, how they're doing. Uh, we thought this was a good time guys, right. To, uh, take a look at what Aikens has been able to do versus Randy Carlisle. I think that's what really popped into a lot of people's minds lately, considering the ducks have been so inconsistent. You know, what just popped into my mind. You said Aikens. Aikens. Yeah. A- well, didn't did we not have? Uh, I think in the off season we said there's like what was the running total on how many times we were going to mess up his name this year? <laughs> I didn't so say Ickins. You guys missed. I heard Ickins. I heard Ickins, and I was like, oh, that sounds. That's odd. a new one. Yeah, it's, uh, usually, well, it's I didn't. I didn't want to say the other Aikens. one. I didn't want to say the other. Yeah, I didn't want to go to Ickins. I didn't want to say that. All right, so you just made up a new one. Sounds I good. Did. All right, right continue. Go. What are we? What are we talking about? Oh, so Jason's lost. Um, <laughs> Where do you guys want to start? We've got interesting news with the moves being made. Apparently, Brendan Gooley's not coming back up. Uh, let's go ahead and start there. we got roster moves that have happened. Uh, we all know what's been going on with Max Jones. We know that Brendan Gooley, we thought, had re-injured himself, gets moved back down to the minors, uh, plays with the goals. And then the Ducks announced, was it today when they said they're bringing up Benoit? Or was it yesterday? Yeah, today. Today. So... Why? Why are we not bringing Brendan Gooley back up to play with Cam Fowler? Are you guys just as curious about this as I am? Because I find that very strange with, I don't know, the offense not being able to score goals and Brendan Gooley being a guy who's been able to play very well with Cam Fowler. And for whatever reason, the, you know, the Ducks management group just seems to think he's not ready. And maybe he's not, right? Like maybe maybe he's not fully healthy yet that they want to throw him right into the fire against Connor McDavid on Sunday. Uh yeah, it, it's it's a tough call because Josh Maher just got sent down, and I, I think he was playing pretty good to that point. And you kind of thought when he got sent down that that meant Brendan Gooley was going to come back up, especially because he played in, in San Diego's last game. Uh, but I guess they, they want to give Simon Benoit a shot, which, I mean, I don't hate. I, I don't mind you know seeing this kid come up and, and seeing what he can do. Uh, it's been a long journey for him to, to kind of make it to the NHL, so it's nice to see him get a chance. It's just interesting that if Brandon Gooley is 100% healthy, that they went with Simon Benoit. I mean, I guess we'll never know, right? If, uh-huh. Unless Brandon Gooley gets, unless Benoit gets sent back down after Sunday and Gooley comes back up, maybe it was just a precautionary thing. But it's a little bit of an interesting decision. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially considering too that, like, I mean, we had all kind of considered. All right, we at the beginning of the season we had we had our top four, and that was going to be uh, Fowler with Gooley and um, uh, Lindholm and Manson. So now with the injuries, everything's kind of shuffled around a little bit. Even Lindholm's been injured. Cam Fowler, oddly enough, is the only one who hasn't been injured. Knock on wood, wherever you can. But um, yeah, my guess is yeah, same type of deal. It's just that he's maybe not quite fully back from there uh it's interesting that he's playing but you know can play there but can't play up so it's it's a little interesting i don't know if they like branson's play a little bit more and they're willing to let Gooley stay down there just a little bit longer but uh yeah it's kind of surprising he's not up yet i mean what do we see in deep pairs then oh on sunday boy. like what, what does that even what does that even look like i think it's going to be delzato fowler lenholm branson and then you're going to see Benoit paired with um, old Sarah Larson. Yeah, Larson, it's probably with yeah. Larson. That's what I see Jeez. happening there. Because uh, he's he's a left shot, no? Or is he right shot? I'm trying to. Remember. I believe he's. A, I, I think he's a lefty. I'm like 95 percent sure. If he's, he's a lefty, lefty, I don't even think he gets in a lineup. I think they just bring him in as just. No, he's going to play on Sunday. He's playing. Really? He's slated to start against uh, your Pacific Division leading Edmonton effing Oilers. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Teams. Say that one more time. As we all predicted. Simon, yeah, Simon Benoit is a left shot. He's a left. He's a left shot defenseman. Um, he had a really good rookie faceoff. I know that he was one of the guys that was uh, impressive to management there. Um, so it's not like he's going to be this another Corbinian Holzer or another player that's that maybe is, is not reliable. He's only 21 years old, so I think he's got plenty of time uh, to develop into something good. And, and, you know, they see the, I know that the club sees him as being uh, a defenseman that could come in and maybe be a 4-5. I mean, he's not a bottom-rung defender, and that's what they want him to develop into. So it's going to be interesting to see him come in and play, though, because he's not necessarily, I don't know, an offensive talent, right? He had... 51 games for the goals and 12 points. So it's not it's not something that we're looking at like a Josh Mahura or a Brendan Gooley, which is what I thought was puzzling to me. Cause that was last last season? Yeah, I think, last yeah, season. Yeah. Two points in nine easy. games this year. Yeah. Okay, I was going to ask, was he killing it? So so they don't expect him to be offense. They want him to be a 5-6, and they're disappointed with Delzado, Holzer, and Gabrunson being 5-6? Or Larson, maybe. I, yeah. Realistically, I think it's Larson who probably comes out on Sunday, and Benoit and just jumps up. in. And then what? what the, like he jumps into the three-four spot, or they like? I think bump it's. Bump no, I, I think it's. I think it's what Pat said. I think it's uh, Lintom and Branson. I think it's Delzato and Fowler because we've seen them together. And then I think it goes uh, Benoit and Holzer. I think that's what they likely go with for Sunday. And then Larson becomes the the seventh man. And then uh, Gouli, whenever if he's not healthy yet soon, probably makes his way back to the lineup. Yeah, and uh, Aikens, or uh, what'd you call him, Pat? I already forgot. Oh, I don't <laughs> know. Stupid name. Okay. Aikens. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was also talking about there being a healthy competition for jobs, uh, you know, or, you know, playing time. So I think he's willing to bring in somebody else just to kind of throw it in there and just say, listen, guys, we got to be a little bit better on defense and we got to figure this this out. I mean, they gave up four goals against, you know, Minnesota. And uh, in a game that they, they played pretty well in the beginning and then just kind of fell apart towards the last half of it. So I think they're looking for a little bit more, and no one's job is secure on that defensive side. And nothing's really kind of secure until uh, Josh Manson gets back. Yeah, which we hope is less than the – was it uh, up to 10 weeks? Five to, to, five to 10 like five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not looking <laughs> forward just, to that. 
which is odd because they're like, hey, it's five weeks or it's double that. We have no idea. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's maybe not. He's maybe hurt. Maybe he's hurt worse. We maybe <laughs> you know maybe he's back in in two months. Maybe he's. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, we don't really know. We, you, he's you, just you stay over there, Joffrey Lupo. I mean, Josh Manson. We, we don't need you playing right now. I mean, Benoit's a big kid too. That kind of speaks volumes about uh, the, you know why the Ducks want to bring in these big guys. You know, Cabranson six five. Uh, Benoit six three, you know. So they're bringing in guys that can have a physical presence, and he's. It's obvious he's not here to score goals. He's here to play defense and hopefully try to cl- uh, clean up some of the miscues the Ducks have been having in their own end. Um, and let's see how he plays. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him play his first NHL game tomorrow. It'd be it'd be quite the test, uh, which I did not think I'd say against the Edmonton Oilers, who lead the division, which is insane. <laughs> I wonder if this is like a, a you know. A, a, shot across the bow of Holzer because Holzer has looked fairly horrific the last couple of games. A couple of times he's, he's dancing around looking just horrific. So I'm wondering, like, listen, you're not the only big guy in our system who can maybe kind of push people around in the front. So either shape up or we got somebody else who's going to come in. I think this is more of a, a shot towards Holzer to clean up his game a little bit or be, be better than he has been at least. I, I would think that's true if Holzer is the one who ends up checking out of the lineup. Uh, I think if it's if it's Larson who goes out, I kind of think it's the same message getting sent to Jakob Larson that things haven't been good enough because he hasn't been great. I think he had his best game when he scored his first NHL goal. And then uh, beyond that, the, the rest of his play this year has not been amazing. But it's going to be a test. Like you said, I think they're going to shelter him away from Connor McDavid. They've got home ice, so they, they can kind of do that. Yeah. But I'm not... I'm not too optimistic when you look at the three pairings that we can roll over the boards that one of those is, and it's likely going to be Lindholm who's going to get hard matched against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, when you look at the other half of that pairing is Eric Goodbranson. Uh, that is, uh, that might be a recipe for disaster come Sunday. We'll have to see. But uh, I think like if you had to pick a pairing to get put against Connor McDavid, you'd, you'd have to pick the one that has Lindholm on it. It just so happens. It also has Eric Goodbranson on it, which makes it half good half bad so we'll you know we'll see what happens but uh that uh, man i don't know how many big hits is gabranson going to try to line up and miss tomorrow oh he better not try and or, it. or connect Con- and then be out of position that's oh uh, should we should we make should we make a, another bet uh plus or minus four <laughs> how many uh, times? He, yeah, how many times is he gonna make a run and miss? I want to do that. But that's I like. I like the physical play. I like when he levels dudes. It just it's unfortunate when it turns into a scoring chance. It's that's, unfortunate uh, that everything else he does is not great. It's not so good. <laughs> wow, Ed, I'm he buying ha- you. He has to buy Ed a Branson jersey. <laughs> he was brought in for a specific reason. That's to be a big guy and a five six. And I think he's he's doing that job. He's being forced into a four situation which is not necessarily a strong suit but i don't think he's necessarily dropped the ball in that respect uh yeah playing against uh, the top team in the pacific division so, come uh, tomorrow is gonna be a little interesting for so him, the but. three pairs that have had the most usage this season and we know there's injuries to josh manson now and we know that brendan gooley's been up and down maher has been up and down but lindholm's been out well lindholm manson played 100 have played 147 minutes this season 11 games jacob larson and corbinian holzer I played 161 minutes together over 13 games, and Delzato and Cam Fowler 130 minutes. Um, can you guess who was the worst? Delzato. Uh, Jacob Larson no, and no, Corbinian Holzer are, are yeah. easily buried every single game. <laughs> so maybe it is yeah, what Jason's saying is a shot across the bow of Holzer. But 
I gotta ask you guys. What about uh, wait, wait, what about Lindholm and Goodbranson? What a let's see what they've done here. I'm pulling this up for I'm sure. I'm sure it's not uh, natural statric. Yeah, yeah, it's been a total of 15 minutes, and they are killing it. I'm sure it's not too great. <laughs> um, they have to be up there in usage, though. They've been been together for the last four games. I don't see them together. Hold on. <laughs> Played maybe, the, uh, maybe oh no! I, here I got it. I got it. Six sixty-two minutes of Lindholm and Goodbranson together this season. Full game. Uh, Corsi four percentage of forty-five point eight three. Still not as bad as Larson and Holzer who had forty-two point seven. What's the expected goals? Expected goals on Good Branson and Hampus Lindholm is forty point three two percent. That is not, not good. good. That is not. But good. those, yeah. But those guys are are designed for shutdown. They're not designed to push the play well, the other way. Yeah, but the expected the expectation is, should be should yeah. be out of your zone. The puck should be out of yeah, your zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Their expected goals against is not uh, not so too when wonderful. So the, when they're on the ice, it's expected that the Ducks have a have a forty sixty chance of scoring. You know, so they're now, they're, they're below real, or sixty four chance of getting scored against. Right. Real quick, is everyone just absolutely? Um, in love with Lindholm's game this season so far? No, but he's also been paired with Eric Branson. And what, uh, who was he paired with Manson. originally after Manson was pretty bad Manson. this season, too. So. Uh, yeah, and, and when he was with Josh Manson, there was injuries to Brendan Gooley and among others. And literally, Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm were thrown out at, at any defensive face-off, any, you know, any hard match against any team's top line. And uh, we we mentioned this. We talked about this on a couple post game shows on how that is going to wear on them over over the beginning part of the season when they literally have to play every hard minute in every game because they're not going to throw Larson and Holzer out against uh, opposing teams' top line. And when you're on home ice, that's the matchup we've seen Dallas Aikens go back to when they were together. Is if you got a chance to throw them out there against whether it's Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or, or Nathan McKinnon or whoever, Lindholm and Manson were out there. Yep. That's what, and that's what, that's by design, especially because when when uh, Fowler and Gooley were paired together, they wanted to give them the chance to be offensive. So they would put they would put Lindholm out there every hard matchup that was up. Um, let's move on here. Let's talk about the Ducks. So Ed, you put together this pretty cool uh, little idea. You were like, I, at first I was like, let's do the Ducks first seventeen games versus Carlisle's first seventeen games. You're like, no, 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 let's do. The Ducks' last 17 under Randy Carlisle and the Ducks' first 17 under Dallas Aikens. So uh, we'll kind of see how that works here. So, Ed, <laughs> how, does, how pretty is it? Is it very pretty? I, I or is fully it, expected. Uh, yeah, I fully expected Randy Carlisle's last 17 to be horrible because just remembering back to last year, and, and obviously he got <laughs> fired, right? So yeah, there was, there was no way. <laughs> yeah, there was no way it was going to be good. Uh, last 17 games for Randy Carlisle, Ducks went 2-11-4. I remember all those uh, post games. They were great. Yeah, yeah, they were wonderful. <laughs> Repetitive. Uh, Corsi 4 percentage of 48.66. Uh, it's not It's not. It's not. You know, it's not great, but it's not horrible. They've been worse at times. They've been worse this year. Uh, 451 shots against across 17 games. I'm interested if you throw that up in a calculator to see what that is per game, but I can imagine it's it's pretty high. Uh, 432 scoring chances against. 50 goals against across 17 games. So right there, you're you're averaging basically three goals against per game, which is reminiscent if we look back to February yeah. and January of, of the Duck season last year. That's right around we, when we got the news that uh, John Gibson was fatigued. 
and uh, that's that that kind of makes sense. And and you look at their their save percentage at that time too. It was uh, second last at point eight eight nine. And their shooting percentage was dead last in the league, which was a trend we saw last year at 5.71. So this was uh, a Ducks team who could not score. And at this point of the season, they, they had that, what, 12-game losing streak because the goaltending kind of just bought them out because they were allowing 35 to 40 shots per game. So that's the team we all remember. If we look at that and compare it to Dallas Aikens through the first 17 this year, the Ducks are 9-7-1, and which I guess is kind of right where we expected them to be. Yep. Right? For and, me anyway. Yep. Jason's shaking his head. No, no, I'm shaking the head. You guys, you guys were uh, had him down on the dumps. They were, they weren't going to do anything. Whoa, they they whoa, might whoa, meddle whoa. around in the middle of the, the pack in the Pacific. This is a middle. They, they are middle of the pack. Ooh, now with a nine seven one, I easily would have imagined you guys are, as I recall, you guys were saying five hundred or lower. Not this above. This is 500. about five hundred. They are nine basically five hundred. Two, two. Two games above five hundred. <laughs> essentially, they're nine. Exactly. And, essentially, they're nine and eight. They lost one in yeah. overtime. Exactly. I just remember you guys saying these, these guys right. aren't—they're not going to make a this division spot. They're not going to be yeah. there. Dude, nah. they're not. All right. They're not, they're uh, first seventeen games continuing under Dallas Aikens, four hundred twenty-one shots against. That's the sixth most in the league over this point, which is, I think, a fair amount of those have come in the last five games for the Ducks, especially yeah. that game against Vegas, uh, which is only what thirty less than Randy Carlisle in his last seventeen. Uh, goals against though, 28. That's actually seventh best in the league right now. And you want to know the reason why the ducks have a 0.934 save percentage over the first 17 games. This is all five at five, but five on five, by the way. So this is both are comparing five on five. So the ducks goaltending once again has been outstanding that it was at the beginning of last year for the, for Randy Carlisle as well. Uh, scoring chances against, this is a, a little bit different here. The Ducks are giving up a lot of shots, but the scoring chances are way down in comparison to, to Randy Carlisle. Almost by Just remembering back. Yeah, it's just Randy Carlisle had 451 shots against, 432 scoring chances against, compared to Dallas Aikens' team this year having 421 shots against and only 349 scoring chances. So the Ducks have cleaned things up, I think, defensively. They're still giving up a lot of shots, but more of those are coming from the perimeter rather than the enormous amount of slot shots the Ducks were giving up last year. So bit of a trend you can see there is at least defensively the Ducks have gotten slightly better at pushing teams to the outside and eliminating chances. You can kind of see that in the high danger chances against too. Ducks right now this year have 130 in the last 17 under Randy Carlisle. They had 195. So the defense has gotten a little bit better despite all the injuries that they've had this year. And then the shooting percentage has gone up four points from That's dead last. Massive. At, yeah. yeah, from dead last at 5.71 over Randy Carlisle's last 17 to 9.07, which I think is top 10 right now in the league. But that's right around league average, a 9% uh, shooting percentage. And I, whether, the, whether that's just luck turning around for the Ducks or them playing a little bit more creatively, that's where the goals have come, but not at an elite rate. So things are better. You know, they're not perfect, but that, that's why I guess you can see the record has turned around from... A two eleven and four to nine seven and one. So, what do we make of this based on the lack of scoring? Like, how how do you guys feel about this team when you watch these games? To me, it's obviously way more enjoyable than watching anything under Randy Carlisle. That's first and foremost. I don't want this to be yeah. any, any anything taken as negative towards Dallas Aikens, but uh, it's it seems very inconsistent, right? We have really really fun games. Ducks score a bunch of goals, or they're really highly competitive, and then we go a game or two later. And it's just like, wow, can't get anything started. They can't make a pass for the neutral zone. Uh, it's just, It just feels like they're not able to move things consistently. Do you guys feel like that's a personnel 
issue or a bunch of young kids in the lineup? How do you guys feel this team? It's it's going to be a little bit of a, a combination, I guess. Um, the thing is, the Ducks are competitive within a game at some point. I'll maybe take that away in the Vegas game. They didn't seem competitive at any point in that game. Take that game away. Uh, and even in the Boston game, when they they got they got shelled by Pasta. I mean, other than that, there are times within the game that they are competitive they can drive and i can't say that last season i can't remember where we had a good period where we outplayed somebody and if it was it was few and far in between at least with here this season every game there's at least a period there's a, there's a moment there's some significant time where we're actually dictating play which makes it more enjoyable to watch and is also kind of contributing to the fact that our goalies aren't having to consistently be on edge, try and make stops. The save percentages start going up. The shots against start going down a little bit. I think they're doing better defending and they are more creative offensively. It's going to be a little inconsistent because we are asking a lot of young players to help drive the play a little bit. And we are moving guys in and out of the lineup, which creates a little bit of a chemistry issue. So eventually things hopefully solidify. We're talking about a month and a half into this season and with a new coach, new style, everyone's kind of figuring out. I am happy with the way the veterans are playing. Uh, specifically Raquel has looked great with Silverberg and even Getzloff is scoring goals, taking shots, looking good. And the defense is jumping in like I've never seen them do before. And I think eventually things will start kind of uh, solidifying and hopefully we start putting together complete or semi-complete games instead of having a bad first. I mean, or the broadcast loves saying that. You see the defense. Yeah. Do you see how see how Delzato's below the goal line of the offense? The Brunson's below that, the goal yeah. line. I mean, I mean, it's just something to keep the puck in a little bit. Whereas before, it's like, hey, dump it, change. Let's all just get better on defense and and hope they don't score after their 80th shot. I mean, it's just it's it's ridiculous how it was versus what it is now. It's so much better. So we can all see these changes, though, right? Like you can you can see it when you, you you go and check the eye test and see that they obviously are playing better than they were last year, and it's it's more high event this year, which I think you know the stats we just went over kind of portray that, right? They're still giving up a lot of shots against their defense is shored up because of the the system that Dallas Aikens has put in place, and and I guess maybe not the system he's put in place, but just the system he's he's kind of replaced that uh, Randy Carlisle had from last year. That's why, you know, if we go to chances for their chances for up from last year, their expected goals is up from last year. So and, and I guess the shooting percentage that that can be contributed a little bit to luck as well. But generally, they've gotten better in some areas, but there are still some that's the same. And a lot of that's personnel, right? They're still going to give up a lot of shots against a lot of that is on the personnel we have on this team. And the goaltending this year has kind of mitigated that and the fact that they're limiting the amount of scoring chances that John Gibson and Ryan Miller are facing. So yeah. there, there are improvements that's shown with the record. The fact they kind of are where we thought they were, but there are still some concerns like giving up the six most shots in the league over the first 17 games isn't ideal. And, you know, a lot of that is it's chalked up to goaltending. Normally, if you give up the six most shots, you don't expect to be the seventh best team when it comes to uh, defense and, and giving up, you know, only 28 goals over that span. So can that is that sustainable for the whole year? We'll have to wait and see. We, we, well, we posed that same question at the beginning of last year. Is it the most concerning thing with this team right now, the offense? I feel like Gideon Miller can really hold down the fort, but if, if Jacob Silverberg stops shooting at 20% and Adam Henrique <laughs> stops shooting at 21%, um, 
it, it's gonna we're gonna see a steep drop off here in offense. It's a problem. Andre Kasha's got one goal this season, guys. Uh, the kids haven't been able to put together. Uh, enough points to really make us go wow you know we were all excited about these kids and we still should be we're 17 games in but we're going to get to a point here very quickly where we see this offense is going to either drop or they're going to start to come together because historically Jacob Silverberg and Adam Henrik don't shoot like that um I mean doubling their current or I mean for Silverberg doubling his shooting percentage is insane it's that's not sustainable I don't think um and Henrik doesn't shoot like that either. So we need the other guys to start being able to pick it up. I mean, that's that's what we really have to look at this team and wonder where the offense is. I, I'm, I'll combat you just a little bit on that. I said it in a really weird way to combat you. Yeah, you went very but, southern yeah, over there, sir. for some weird reason. Some highfalutin but, argument you got going but, there. Right? But finally, Silverberg isn't asked to play defense. He's finally been opened up to just play offense, and he gets a chance to play with Raquel. He's still, so. he's still defensively responsible, too. Sure. And he, is, and he is, but he's been given the reins to try and create offense. And I think he's, you know, this is one of the things I expected him to start doing this season where I thought he could be closer to a 30 goal scorer producer. 20%, that's insane. That's not sustainable, but sometimes it is within a season. Uh, and that sure. might happen. Henrique, kind of same thing. I think, you know, they, they've almost asked Sam Steele to kind of jump in in certain areas. And now you got Henrique possibly playing third center. And that might open him up a little bit more for that offensive side. It, right now he's doing the, uh, um, damn it, what's the baseball term where they, they win a lot? Cy Young. Cy Young. He's got eight so, goals to assist. So right? he's got that. Yeah. But I think the key will come down to eventually the Ducks' power play. They've got to start. That's where I was that. moving to next, my friend. Yeah. yeah. So I figure if they start getting that power play clicking, think of how many games. I mean, we're 9 7 and 1 right now. Think of how many games we don't lose and we win because the power play clicks just a little bit more consistently. Now it was a one win, two wins. Now we're looking at, uh, you know, an 11 and 5 and 1 Ducks team versus what we are right now i mean it's that it's that close because we don't lose games usually by a lot and our goaltending usually keeps us in within you know two one goal they give up two goals maybe on odd occasions it's three or more so one power play goal goes a long way for this team that's where i think their biggest improvement can be if they can do that and everything else stays the same things start going a lot better i I mean the best player has been ryan getzloff on the power play he has two of the four goals in the power play He's had four game-winning goals this season. I feel like he's been one of the best players on this team, period, offensively. We need guys like Andre Kasha to, to wake up. We need guys like Ricard Raquel to wake up. I mean, Raquel yeah, but, but Andre is for like 20 goals this season. Andre Kasha's shooting percentage is 4%. So in the same argument of Adam Henrique being unsustainable at 26% right now, uh, there's no way Andre Kasha's shooting percentage is 4%. <laughs> Don't take a headshot, my friend. Just stay healthy for the love of God. Please stay healthy. There's there's no way that stays the same for Andre Cash over the entire season too. Probably the same not. for Nick Ritchie, who's Nick Ritchie's hovering around, I believe, the same uh, low shooting percentage on the year as well. Nick Ritchie's at six point nine percent, and uh, Ricardo Raquel's at seven point eight four percent. Troy Terry's at nine percent. Like likely those will inc- increase to league average, especially for Ricard Raquel and Andre Cash, who are two of the best goal scorers on this team. So even if Silverberg and Henry come back down to earth, you'd have to expect that at some point in the same trend that Ricard Raquel and Andre Kasha and, and Nick Ritchie will 
boost their shooting percentage back up to league average, at least you would hope, and that should offset it. So I, I think the Ducks kind of are where they are at in terms of goal scoring this year. Even if some guys regress back to the mean, then you'll get other guys who kind of progress forward a bit. Well, let's talk about the power play then. What do we, we've talked about this a lot, bringing in Taylor Hall, bringing in risk the line into you know quarterback a power play, uh, bringing in outside help. Uh, do you guys feel like it's, it's an internal issue that can be fixed? Like our, our good friends over at uh, wave. I think it's yeah waveintel.org. Uh, Jason Paul is someone that we follow on Twitter. He also follows us. Uh, he's the creator of the versus tool over on this website. He's shared lots of things with us, but they have a tool on there, true power play rank and PK rank. And they have this little diagram, which they put things into low risk, high reward, high risk, high reward, high risk, low reward, and then low risk, low reward. Can you guess which square the ducks are in and are at the, almost at the bottom of it? On the power low play. risk, low <laughs> yeah. reward. Low risk, yeah. low reward. It yeah. is absolutely terrifying to know that this team just can't figure it out right now. And it's it's we hope more than likely going to change, right? And that's something we really hope that happens here. They have the personnel. It's, it's pretty bad they, that it should be better. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not really a personnel issue, or it's not really uh, like adding a personnel that's going to change it. I think they can fix it internally, as you were trying to say. I mean, they're four for 42, right? That's what you've got to put here. They're third last in shots on the power play. That more so seems like a systems issue. And the only, you know, two teams below them are Chicago and then the Islanders. And the Islanders, you can't really even count because they've had like 25 less power play minutes than any other team. They're just not getting penalty calls this year. So realistically, the Ducks are the second worst team in the league when it comes to shots on the power play. And if you took it to per game, they might even be worse than the Chicago Blackhawks. That is, to me, screaming as a systems issue in the sense that these guys aren't shooting on the power play. We can see that. They're looking for the pretty pass. There's improvements this year. We're seeing cross-crease passes. The Ducks have gotten robbed a couple times on the power play. They probably should have six, seven, eight power play goals on the season. But we can't. You can't really dwell on that now. And you look at the fact. Yeah, they're four for forty-two. It's it's not great. And hey, I Jason, think they need to change. Sorry, Ed. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thought you were going to pause and cut out. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Jason. You remember as us old school Ducks fans, Frederick Olison, the Ducks uh, owned the backdoor uh, play on the power play. Olson like, would skate oh, all the way down, oh, park his ass on the so crease, <laughs> and they would, just, yeah. they would just tee him up off the side of the crease. Just all oh, for that. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> anything right now. Any, yeah, any, right, any so let's side Frederick nice. Olison. That's pass. Yeah. That's pass. No, let's go fix. get uh, <laughs> let's get Victor Olafson. He scores power oh, play yeah. goals for fun in Buffalo. That's, that's He's all like he did at the beginning goals. of the season. His first I mean, like I don't ten think... goals of his career were power play goals. Yeah, I think he's got six goals this season, all power play. I believe. I don't think he has a five on five goal. I think he got one today. He oh, scored today. Yeah, hey, he's hold got on. Seven. There you go. Nah, he did might he? have been a power play goal today. Let's let's <laughs> check. I know he, he had, six had four last year and six this year, and they're all powerful. That's that's the last I saw as of yesterday. He had six goals, first, that was early on. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, he five scored today at five on five. Oh so my god, Hal Freeze is over today. <laughs> all right, I'll call up Frederick Olafson because uh, yeah. But speaking of a <laughs> power play, right? Like one of the best power plays in the league, the Buffalo Sabers have. We mentioned it when we talked about power play before, and and. You know, their talent is maybe, you know, I, I guess you could say it's a little bit better than what the Ducks have, but it's not much. Like Jack Eichel is their go to guy. Victor Olofsson, I, you know, you could argue the Ducks have a player of that ability in their lineup. I'm not, you know, Victor Olofsson is not an elite player in this league yet, or at least not an established elite player. That's an Andre Costa, right? He's, right. He's a great shooter. He's, he's a, a great niche. shooter. 
Yes, and it, it helps that he's a left shot because it works well on that power play. The Ducks, you know, arguably don't have that type of shooter as a left shot. But Rasmus Dallin, you know, Cam Fowler could probably not maybe do the same job, but that type of job as as a, just a lone defenseman on a power player. Maybe, you know, Hampus Lindholm could do that as well. And then you've got Ryan Getzlaff where, where Jack Eichel would be. And then you throw some bodies in where Jeff Skinner and Sam Reinhardt are on that power play for Buffalo. And that could be, you know, Ricard Raquel or Adam Henrique. Like the Ducks have the same type of talent. The setup just isn't there. They they seem lost when they go on the power play. It's a different approach each time they go there. They're trying to make things happen. There's no structure to what they're doing on the power play. It's I, brutal. Too many passes. I I feel like, I mean, if you look at what the Ducks, quote-unquote, tried to do, I don't know how much they tried last season on the power play. They were horrific. I mean, you couldn't they couldn't enter the zone, let alone try and get set up and try and make anything happen. The Ducks struggled a little bit this year. New personnel, new look at what the, you know they were trying to do on the power play. I think they went the first nine games of the season and didn't get a power play goal. It wasn't until they got one, and now they've got four in maybe their last like 25 attempts. So it's gotten better. It's not great. The As far as the difference where, like, oh, it looks different every time, I think that's a difference between either power play unit. When Getzloff's out there and Sam steals with them, that's a completely different looking setup than it is when you start putting in your your Kasha's, your Silverberg, your Raquel on the other line. I mean, you can. It's weird because you'd almost consider Ryan Getzloff to be a number one, but that's kind of their number two. And that team, that um, that unit, seems, in my opinion, a lot more capable of scoring goals. They they're a little off, and it's you know a new setup and a new trying to move things around. So. I'm willing to give them a little bit more time. And I think, you know, you saw it in the first nine games where nothing happened, where now things are kind of getting there. The chances are there and they're just not quite clicking yet. So once again, I, I'm not willing to call it just horrific or trash. I just think it it's a work in progress and uh, eventually it'll probably click. I'm hopeful. <laughs> you guys want to talk about the upcoming games here? That's what I, I kind of, we used to do this on, uh, on puck guys. We'd talk about the upcoming game and make picks um, how do you think the guys fare against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow? Because are the Oilers really the real deal, or are they just really good with McDavid on the ice? Because that's kind of the feeling. It, I uh, have. It's is, can I can I say both? Like I think they're a little bit of both. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. they they're not much different than they are last year, but they do seem to have a little bit more depth than last year, and that's simply the fact that James Neal is playing well this year and still <laughs> continuing to play well not maybe as, as hot as he was to start the season apparently didn't and, like calgary yeah yeah, yeah, well, yeah. and Edmonton yeah. like Lucic, so not not too much different but uh yeah. talk about adam henry going for the cy young james neal has 12 goals and two assists on the year <laughs> so he's uh, he's the leading candidate for that but yeah the yeah the offense still runs through Connor mcdavid and, and leon drysettle and leon drysettle has actually been the better player this year i think than in comparison to Connor McDavid, which is which is saying something about how he's kind of stepped up his play. They're they're a team that will continue to win games because of those two. And it's an almost it's similar to Boston, how it's almost impossible to shut those guys down. Is you know, there's no the Boston doesn't have a ton of depth after Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasternak, but it's so hard to shut those guys down that it doesn't matter on some nights as well. Uh, I think in the same sense, uh you know, the goaltending for Edmonton's going to be a problem this year at times. Mike Smith has is, is always been streaky, and, and same goes for Koskinen. He's not and posting a 926 this season. Yeah. That's not happening. Yeah, That's what he's got and, right and now. And there, 
their defense is suspect. So I, I think they're for real in the sense that they're like a Boston light in the sense that that line will carry them through games, but the goaltending and the defense won't be consistently good enough all season to keep them first in the Pacific. Can they sweep into a playoff spot? Sure. I was surprised last year they had 200 plus point guys and missed the playoffs. That doesn't happen that often. So the, you know, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl are on pace to do that again. And I don't think you can miss the playoffs back to back while that happens, especially where San Jose is right now and where, you know, the ducks are, the flames have kind of crept back into it, but they've, they've got such a hot start on some of those teams that I, I can't see them falling that far. I would venture the other way. Not that they're going to like fall off the face of the earth because it's hard to do that when you're talking about a dry sidle and a McJesus. But the other thing is uh, where uh, Ryan Nugent Hawkins is. That dude has completely underperformed this entire season. The only reason I know that is he's on my fantasy team, and I'm this close to dropping his ass. He needs to really. He's got 11 points in eight games. Yeah, but that's not last year. But that's not horrible. Yeah, but I mean, you know, right now they're they're off to a great start, and I think James Neal is kind of helping that, and you know, Mike Smith doing Mike Smith streaky things where he's he's good enough to to help win it. I don't know if you can juggle that many great things at certain times to make it continue to go. They're benefiting that the fact that they're in the Pacific division and San Jose is plummeted to the bottom. Uh, and that uh, Calgary is not exactly where they were last year. You still have your Vegas. So they'll be meddling around. They've done a great job of getting a giant lead. It just, can they hold it as all the other teams start getting their crap together and start kind of closing in on them? So it depends how big of a lead they get. Against the Ducks, I guess, is the main question. What can the Ducks do against them? Um, it'll Shut be a good test. David and Drysaddle, uh, if you can. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, well, hey, like, be the first team this season to do it, I guess. But um, they'll they'll give up some goals. Um, they're going to have to hold on to, you know, Gibby really kind of playing out of his mind like he usually does. And at least with the Ducks, they're on a homestand and they've got a long break. I mean, we did a podcast on Wednesday. Yeah, they're not playing till Sunday. I mean, at this point, they've got enough time to maybe prepare for them, see what they've been doing, and uh, hopefully be good out of the gate because the Ducks' biggest problem is their start. Usually that first period's a little bit where they can get buried, so hopefully that doesn't happen. I mean, Edmonton Oilers are a curse. Ooh. Hmm? Blessing what? or a curse. A blessing or a curse and having five days off against uh, a, a, not maybe a speedy team, but a, a, one of the fastest players in the league like Connor McDavid. You know, when's Edmonton's? When did does Edmonton play today? Uh, Edmonton won their last game. But Edmonton played Jersey. yesterday yeah, against yeah. the Devils. They won four. So they'll have yeah. one day of rest. And where you said like the Ducks have five days of rest, that can be a blessing. One day of rest, but they got to travel, and travels yeah. really—it's no. really annoying. I can see it. I can see it going both ways. I can see it going both ways. Whether it affects the Ducks in a positive or negative way, having five days to rest. Either way, it's it's very very difficult to stop Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, especially this year. And you look at the injuries the Ducks have on defense. You know, we who's going to be matched up against them? Likely Hampus Lindholm and Eric Branson. And uh, that doesn't look like it pans out as uh, being a you know a good thing for the Ducks going into Sunday's game, but you, you can't just you know as good as they are you can't just focus on Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid because that's where teams like Boston hurt you when you're focused on that top line and you get other guys contributing you know James Neal and 
Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Cassian, they're still guys who can hurt you if you forget about them. And the Ducks have to be wary about that and going into this game. All right, so I'm real, go ahead. Real quick, I'm sorry. I'm just more worried about the Ducks even focusing on Connor McJesus because if they focused on Pasternak when they played Boston, they did a horrible job of focusing. Like they they need uh, they need glasses. So they played a great I'm game hoping, that game too. Just lost yeah, the yeah, yeah, all all four. So uh, if the Ducks are focusing on uh, the main guys, they're not doing a very good job. So focus on those little guys, I guess. Who's who's winning tomorrow? Don't even give a reason. Uh, Just give an answer. Flipping the coin here. Oh, landed on ducks. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're that split on it, Jay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's I th- I'm gonna say it's going to overtime. But I I think uh, I think the Oilers scrape it out in overtime. I think the Ducks pick up a point though. I think I just, that Mike I just Smith turns him. into the Mike Smith we love to see. And I think uh, Calgary days, though. and he gets mowed <laughs> tomorrow. He's gonna I think get it's smoked Cos- tomorrow. Koskinen Koskinen it's Koskinen? Yeah, I think it's Koskinen tomorrow. That's going. That's mm. right now. It's just Koskinen's probable. And uh, you know, then, all right, then I'm 51% Ducks. <laughs> I, I'm still. I think the Ducks are going to pull the one out tomorrow. They're going to build. Yeah, the, they got. They've got time to heal. I, um, I, and I think that's important for the two. They're a bit banged up, so I think that uh, tomorrow will be a win. Maybe disappointed that they lost the 1,000th game for Getzloff when they were up two nothing against Minnesota against that's already in the Bruce Boudreau. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We don't want to spend a lot of time on on the Red Wings. They're garbage. They're tied for last in the league with several teams. Uh, do the Ducks beat the Wings or not beat the Wings? Yeah, they beat them. Yeah, they, they beat them. The, the Wings are, I think, in my opinion, easily the the worst team in the league right now, which is surprising when you would have expected that to be you know the Ottawa Senators in, in all cases, but. Dead lasting goals per game, second lasting goals against per game, worst penalty kill in the league, power plays, not much better than that. And they're, they're you know, the, we talked about one-line teams and, and teams being able to fight through that and be good, Boston and Edmonton. They're a one-line team that uh, is, is terrible. And, and that one line is great in Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi, but they're not at that same level where, you know, you can, if it's, it's that difficult to shut them down, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. still very good. But the depth behind that is nothing. There, there's literally nothing behind that line. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu has started to play a little bit better, which has kind of helped them out. But, you know, the, the next leading point getter of that is defenseman and Philip Peronik. And then it's v- Valtteri Filpula with seven points in 18 oh, games. That That's their awful. that's their depth after those guys. You've got a ton of guys with no goals. Like, Abdelkader has three assists, zero goals. Uh, they just yeah, Mike Green's crap. They just brought in Robbie Fabry, which might be a boost for them. He scored two goals in his debut for the Red Wings. But uh, a ton of guys. Like, Franz Nielsen is pointless in 14 games. They picked up Perlini. He has zero points in the six games he's played this year. So it it should be a win. But it's, <laughs> it's one of those games you, that we've talked about before. I think the last time the Ducks played the Red Wings and uh, last year with Fowler gifted that goal to Dylan Larkin in front of the net. That was supposed to be a must win for the Ducks last year when the Red Wings were bad. So it's one of those teams that, yeah, they're horrible, but they still have that one line can kill you. Yeah, the Ducks already beat them this season, though, in Detroit. So I think that was back when Detroit was It should be a win. Yeah, Stevie White's got a lot of uh, work ahead of him to make a Tampa Bay, too. And cuffed hard. That that lineup and those contracts that he was given. Um, You guys, he gave Terry Fulpula a no-movement clause. Okay, let's not forget that. Yes, he did. Well, he oh, loved it. I mean, he gave it. He gave that in Tampa, right? Uh, he's he, no. doesn't he play in Detroit? He does, but did when I? 
did they he just gave it to him in Detroit? Detroit. Yes. Yep. Uh, he sure did. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Um, ah. let's, let's get to uh, Jason. You want to do your fun little game now or after the fan questions? We got to get the fan questions because you you dorks skipped it last week. Okay. Yeah. Fan questions. We also okay. went an hour and a half last week, and you, you weren't there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's do fan questions. Let's do that do first, that and then my game. my silly my silly little game that no one really cares about. I do. I care about it. I know. Oh, thanks. So I want to address something really quick here. Uh, Canadian girl on Instagram says, Are "You guys going to have Ryan Getzloff on the show? Would love to. If anyone knows him, hit us up. We would love to uh, to get that uh, done." Let's see. Uh, Chip Chip knows him. We well, so. should hit up Chip. Maybe Chip can, uh, yeah. can 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 swing a favor to us. Um, Maybe. So we have a question here from. Vic Cab ninety seven says, "Why is this Anaheim team so inconsistent? They score a lot, and then struggle to score. Kind of like what we talked about here earlier. Um, I think we kind of attributed that to growing pains, right? New system, new coaches, new line mates, growing pains, young kids in the lineup. I think I think that's kind of what we kind of looked at here. Yeah, my my thought is that this team is they're going to have their struggles. They're also going to have their successes, and it's it's going to be a new coach, a new system, new personnel." everything's going to just take time. It's going to click at some points, and then it's just you're, you're wondering why it's not doing what it was. So you just be patient. You wait. We're, we're a month and a half into the season. This is, uh, this is not uh, DEFCON 5 where you got to just, you know, just dump everything, move on, you just rebuild. We're in a good spot in a weak division where we can actually possibly make the playoffs at this point, maybe even a division spot. Let's just keep it going, see if we can start solidifying the things that we're working on and we're building forward to. So it's going to be inconsistent, but just hang with it. It'll get better. I think uh, it's it's more what we're going to see for most of the season. I, they're a high-event hockey team, and we're going to have games like this where they break through and score a bunch of goals, and there's going to be games where that just doesn't fly for them or they, they go against another high-event hockey team. And it becomes a shootout. I, I just think that's what's going to happen for, for most of the season. I don't think there's going to be a stability point where they hit it and they become a team who can either score, you know, three goals per game or two and a half goals per game. And that just becomes a consistent basis. You know, maybe we hit that for a 10 game stretch, but I think eventually we kind of just keep falling back into that inconsistency where some games they score five or six and some games they struggle to score one or two. I, I honestly just think with the system that, that we have in place this year, and the, and the talent on the roster, that's just going to be the type of team they are this year. That's not necessarily bad, and, and that's an improvement in, in total overall goals from last year. But uh, I, I honestly feel like this is not a trend that uh, is going to end anytime soon. So another question here from David Roska. He says, I don't know how I should take this question. Because you put, Ducks will fix their defense with Gabranson. I wonder if you put, will the Ducks? I'm just going to go with Ducks will fix. Do you guys think that Gabranson is the answer? I know I'll I'll leave that God, to, 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 to what? <laughs> if he, if uh, yeah, and David, no if you miswrote that, write it write it back in the way you wanted to put that. But if you actually think Gabranson is the answer, I don't think any of us feel like that's the answer. No, I, I mean, if the answer is, hey, we just lost Josh Manson, can we get anybody who's going to be as physical and semi close to his ability? I would probably say Gabranson was probably about the only person that could have probably filled that role that was available for us. So in that respect, I would say, yeah, kind of. But at the same thing, uh, yeah, he, Gabranson's filling a hole. Um, there will be more of these injuries, unfortunately, at some point. 
and I really think of Brunson, Holzer, and to uh, – those guys are there for when the playoffs, if we get to the playoffs, happen where we need physicality in front of the net because we don't have that without those guys. All we have is Josh Manson, and really you're asking him to shut down. He can't be out there every shift. So you're going to have to have somebody else who's going to move people away from Gibson when we get to playoff time you know if that's it so i mean it's more of a setup for if we get to the playoffs and we're building that depth physically because we don't have a lot of physical guys coming up through the system well we got uh several <laughs> questions here he was that, very quiet uh, for a long time <laughs> That uh, depends on the question you're trying to answer in terms of Eric Branch. But the question is, can the Ducks put themselves in, in more of a cap bind while bringing in a player who they argue they already had in their system? Then sure, Eric Branch is the answer to that question. Uh, if he's, if the question is, is he going to make this defense better despite uh, Josh Manson being injured? I think the answer to that is no. He's just he, he hasn't done anything he's arguably been worse than what the ducks already had coming in he provides some stability in the sense that they bring in another right shot that they maybe didn't have to begin with but you could argue that yanny hackenpah or chris weidman or, or hunter drew could come up and, and provide the same type of impact that eric branson has so far which is minimal you know again he brings his size and his physicality and that's it and and I, I think you could get that out of some of the guys that we have. You know, Yanni Hackenpah is not a small guy, and Hunter Drew is a, is a physical player. You probably could have got that from them, and now you've brought in a guy at over four, I think, just at four million dollars mm-hmm. for this year and next year. And next year, like we said, Corey Perry's buyout goes up from two to six million dollars. So you've yeah, kind of yeah, cap restricted yeah. yourself. <laughs> and it's not like the Ducks have to sign anybody, but why do that at all? All right, so we have a few questions or a few people with the same question here. So I'm just going to read the question. Now, with Manson out, do you guys think Murray makes a move beyond Gabranson to bring in Aristolainen or another score even at forward with like Taylor Hall? I don't. I'm not really sure that's going to happen at all. I don't see it happening this season, really. Well, I, with, I don't see it. Happening. I mean, you guys talked about it a little bit on the last show. Like, I think Jason said, you know, the Ducks tried to get Shattenkirk. The Ducks tried to get Falk. They ended up with Gabranson. It's just. They, they apparently they tried to, try to get to wrist alignment too, and the price was just too high. So they had tried to do these things, weren't able to. And then you guys kind of covered that last Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. I, I don't see them, and quite honestly, I mean, the news of Manson coming out with his injury and the scope of his injury, um, I don't think it moves one way or the other. I think of Branson's the 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 you know slap the duct tape on the the hole in the the bottom of the ship oh, as we're leaking. Meme. It's just like slap it on there. It's just like, you know, your uh, 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 seal flex, seal flex. You slap it in there, and I was like, all right, there it It worked enough until, like, the main guy comes back because I think that's what they're going to do. Because it's not surgery required for Manson, that means we're not talking about multiple months. When when your ligaments, it's you're looking three, six months. It could be even longer just depending on the rehab of it. So we're talking about a little over a month to maybe two and a half months. If you can find something to just hold the fort until that dude comes back, that's what they did with Gambranson. They struck out with Shattenkirk. They struck out with Falk. Other than that, unless the price drop is huge, it's really tough for the Ducks to do anything to bring anybody in. And they're not even, in my opinion, 100% convinced that this team is – Stanley Cup worthy 
yeah, they'll get to the playoffs and maybe they make some noise, but they're not going to start mortgaging the future or doing anything else that's going to bring in that elite player that's really going to make the difference because I don't think management feels this season is a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs. They just wanted to get to the playoffs. Have you guys seen the alternate version of that meme, the flex tape meme, where he puts yeah. the tape on and, and then the, the water, water still comes through a yeah. hole in his hand? Yep. That's Eric Goodbranson. <laughs> so there's your answer. <laughs> Uh, Jason, I, I want to direct this question mostly towards you because you're the, the resident goalie. But uh, Mike Grace has come on and said he wants us to answer, do you think something's up with John Gibson? He's not doing so hot right now. Is that something you think is on John Gibson or the team's play and hole? Uh, we lost Jason. Uh, <laughs> what was the question? Well, Ed can take Jason. it. Do you think John Gibson's going through a hard time right now? Do you feel like that something's up with him. I mean, his last five games, he's two and three. I mean, the, the team as a whole is. But uh, in three of those games, I think he faced over 40 shots. So that's not on him. But uh, he hasn't been, like, the superhero quality that we're used to seeing, right? Yeah, I think, you know, the the Vegas game, despite giving up five goals, I thought he played pretty well. You know, he made 44 saves in that one, and, and that took a, a huge hit to his numbers. He ended up finishing sub-900 save percentage on that night, and that takes a hit to your goals against average, too. And then against Winnipeg, I, I think we, when we discussed that game in the post-game, I think there was a couple goals he, he probably would have wanted back in that game, but I believe that's also the one where Brian Little took a shot and deflected off Mahara's stick, and some people got on him about that being one he probably should have gotten back, but it dipped so much he really couldn't go after that. And he faced 40 shots in that one. And uh, that's always tough, too, and that takes a hit on your numbers. And, and then you go against Vancouver, where he faces 40 shots again, but he has an excellent game. You know, he makes 39 saves. The Ducks win that game. And, and then against Minnesota, uh, it was kind of an iffy game. I think that was maybe the only game where he didn't really stand on his head. So three of those four games, you know, he played really well. And in two of them, he just got unlucky that the defense in front of him just wasn't really that great. And that's a little bit reminiscent from last year. So I don't think John Gibson's lost anything. I just think the play in a couple of those games by the defense just was not up to par. Yeah, and, and we've uh, had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup on defense. Yeah. So I, I don't think yeah, anything's wrong tough. with John Gibson. I think he's played very well this year. He's had... well, look, look who's in front of him, right? Like yeah. it's Delzato, Holzer, Larson, now Simon Benoit. No consistency in any of the pairings whatsoever because guys have been hurt. So it, it's tough, when you, especially when you lose that top pairing who's supposed to be the go-to for you in, in Lindholm and Manson, and then you lose the second pairing in Gooley and Fowler that is supposed to be that kind of secondary uh, stopgap option. You haven't really had them together except for maybe one or two games this year. So that's, that's kind of hard when you're a goaltender in front of you and you got all that changing. No, for sure, man, and I don't think that it's uh, it's on him. You know, when they when he's face, it, it can't be. He's 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 playing lights out still. I'm not entirely sure what you could say about John Gibson other than he's been nothing of a disappointment. He's been great this season. Um, let's see, got another question coming up here. Did you call Jason back again, or are you leaving him off the hook? <laughs> uh, I'll give him a call back. Let's see, let's see, let's see. We've got. We'll go over here to these other questions. Do you think the Ducks will make the playoffs? And that is from Chris Trend 95 on Instagram. Oh, man. I feel like this this question always pops up like every every three or four shows uh, based on their, their last like week of results. Um, 
It's probably, I think, the most asked question we get for good reason, yep. right? You know, especially of, of how last year went. I don't think my stance has changed too much. I think they've kind of performed up to my expectations this year. So I think they can make the playoffs. But if they do, it's likely either as the third Pacific Division team because the other teams just don't play up to par this year, or it's uh, a wild card team. And I think the Pacific might there might even be a chance the Pacific doesn't get a wild card team because of how good the Central Division teams are, like uh, Colorado and Nashville and St. Louis, and you know even you know Dallas might turn it around eventually as well, right? So. If they do get in, it's it's either the last Pacific spot or a wild card. I I can't see them finishing much higher than that. No, that's what we kind of thought about this team, too. Um, Let's get the other question here. The last one is, who is your favorite player, Ed? My favorite player on the Ducks? It just says, who's your favorite player? Uh, Okay, so my favorite player before he left was Corey Perry. Uh, that I think I think that was I, I kind of widely put that across uh, throughout last year that Corey Perry is my favorite player. But uh, when it comes to outside the Ducks, um, if you've been following this show since the very beginning, before Thomas Tatar moved from Detroit to Vegas to Montreal, uh, Thomas Tatar has always been one of my favorite players. I still still wish one day the ducks could bring him in uh man i would love to see him playing with uh with ryan Getzloff right now the, especially the way tatar has been playing the last couple of seasons since going to montreal no, uh, but tatar tatar fan. is up there as uh, one of my favorite players in the league <laughs> i think my favorite player on the ducks everyone knows it's Hamp- it's hampus Lindholm. i like his game yeah i like his style of play uh, I like that he goes. I like that he's trying to turn the offensive uh, game back on because he had some time there where it wasn't going well for him, um, and he's getting more chances under Dallas Aikens. He still hasn't scored. He has nine assists on the season, but there's plenty of time left for him to get. I think he finishes with like six to ten goals, don't you? Yeah, that's usually what he finishes. I, I mean, I would, I would love you know if he hits that, it's what does that puts him like top twenty. In the league in goals by a defenseman, I was surprised when you looked at last year. I think he had 13 last year, right? So yeah, that's and that put him pretty pretty high up there. Jason's made his way back to the to Jesus the Christ. I have Welcome no, back, all, sir. All of a sudden, they said no internet. I'm like, really? Like I tried to call you guys on my phone. I'm like the phone's working. I have no idea. I'm also internet and technology inept. So well, you only missed a couple of questions, so we don't we want to go we won't go back and rehash yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, whatever, move it over. Yeah, uh, Gibson's doing fine. That's the last I heard. He's Perfect. fine. He'll be okay. He'll he'll move there on. You go. You're going to have these problems. Yada yada yada. Okay, let's get to your game. You came ba- you came back just in time for your game. We're at the hour mark, Sweet. so we're going to We stalled for you. We <laughs> we held the questions out, so you're uh, right in time. Hold on, let me find my notes on my Oh, great. Okay. (laughs) Jason is the game master. So, all right. So, uh, this game I thought was going to be pretty awesome because it's a little telling. It just, you know, your initial thoughts without you having pre notions or well thought out ideas of your answer. This usually tells a person or other people how you feel as a person. So, I'm going to do a little game called word association. Now, all these words are going to relate to the Ducks in some way. Your job is to give me, it doesn't have to be one word, but pretty close to a one-word answer. I give a name, you give me an answer. All or right. Just how you feel about Are we taking turns word. with this, or are we trying to, uh, do we hit a buzzer? 
do we have yeah, to I, hit, I, hit the top I, of our mic? Literally, I will just say a name, and you will just give out your answer. All right, let's go. Let's okay, let's both of you will do it, and then I'll, I'll I'll read you both, and then give you mine. Okay. All right. So the very first one, Korea. Best player uh, for me growing up. Not the best player in okay. Dynasty. Best player. All right. So best player, Ed. I didn't hear you. Favorite player is what I should have said. Okay. Yeah. The first words that come to my mind. Yeah, yeah. That, whatever hits you the second you hear that. First, thing, first thing that came to my mind is number nine. That's nice. just it's boring, right. but so, that's the first thing. Yeah. Well, synonymous with uh, Korea, especially the Ducks, and then uh, Pat, yours was uh, best player. I would, right? yeah, I would just say it's favorite player. I, I would take back favorite. best player, favorite player. Okay. Well, mine was when I did this to myself was Idol. Like he's the one that just kind of made hockey hockey for me wasn't for him it'd be really hard for me to ever a pick number nine b really get that into hockey but isn't was, Timu, uh, pretty... like a favorite of yours over him no i would say korea was more instrumental in me getting into hockey i mean i never had number eight it was always number nine mm-hmm. whenever i played hockey if i got to pick a number it was going to be number nine i liked his way i like timmy solani's personality better so in that respect uh i kind of like both of them but i mean if you look at just the hockey player that made me want to play hockey it was korea gotcha all right all right so other uh, these are all going to be duck related just so everyone knows all right so real quick just blurt it out doesn't matter if you do it at the exact same time as quick as you can grimson grim reaper oh yeah i was gonna say reaper yeah, yeah. I said nightmares. <laughs> he had a, he had a um, uh, somebody interviewed him in the Athletic in an article recently. Yeah. I, I, He's got a I book coming out. That yeah. yeah, yeah. He uh, recently married within the last year. He uh, does, I think, play not play by plays color commentary for the Nashville Predators. But he's also, yeah. if you ever want to see him, he's he's quite often on uh, NHL Network, uh, NHL Now. Uh, yep. Which happens in like one hour time. He does a good job there too. He does very good. I was uh, you know very impressed with him and uh, his insight to it. So, yeah, I was just thinking like from the Ducks' age, it's just like see Grimson. I go, oh god, nightmares. <laughs> like he just <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna haunt people. All right, favorite um, game. Anyone wants to look up a really good game from uh, the Grim Reaper? It's Bush, uh, him Bush, versus yeah. Vandenbush. Vandenbush, that was it. Vandenbush. Yep. Oh, Stu Grimson they fought murders. three times. And when you fight three times, some people don't know this. If you fight three times in a game, you're automatically kicked out. Grimson so fought him twice in that game. He fought someone else the first someone time. Someone else. So he yeah. got kicked out. But he the last beat. time he fought Vanden Bush, he beat the ever-living hell and out I think of he him. took his face off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> Grimson's jersey was covered in blood. And he thought, oh, poor Grimson. He really lost. It was all the other dude's blood. <laughs> all right. So another name. Solani. Oh, man. First, first word pops in your mind. Solani. Go. Um, <laughs> thousands, thousands. First one that came to first one. Go ahead. First, yeah, first one for me uh, because the, literally the last thing I saw in Solani was his burger place. So first, first word that came to mind was, was burger. No, no, no. He has a burger place now. It's a steak place. He has a burger place too called the Penalty Box. Oh, regarding just girls. happened. Oh, is that a burger? Yeah. I thought it was Solani Steakhouse number two. And it, no, it's a penalty. It's called the Penalty Box. He does like bur- gourmet it's burgers. Someone says Solani, and I, I, my first thing was smile. My, my first thing is, is for me, was cool. I think he's the coolest. Yeah. He's the coolest Fun. NHL player I've ever met. Yeah, coolest guy I've ever met. 
He, yeah. he uh, was nice to me when I was hammered at a game and took a picture with me. <laughs> uh, and he clearly was like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, yeah. clearly looking at me, he's like, all right, man, I'm going to be right. nice to you because you're, you're skip, obviously a fan. <laughs> and then the other time, I think I might have told the story either on Puck Guys or one of our shows, but uh, I took my brother to get everything signed. And the security guy's like, you can only get something signed or a picture. And it's funny. He's like, nah, he can have both. And let my brother come yeah. back and took a picture with him and, and, uh, and then went and signed the picture also. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. Cool and, and that's, yeah, that's by all accounts. I mean, story after story, he just kills it. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, this one's going to be a fun one. Randy. Oh, <laughs> that's it. Right there. I said, pass. Yeah, idiot on the other one. I said frustration. <laughs> you know what some people might say? Frustrated he's around. <laughs> Norris. Norris. Yeah. yeah, some people might have said that. <laughs> or they might say, Stanley Cup, dude. Brought us you the dude. Cup. Uh, yeah, who? Yeah, Randy Carlisle and Bob Murray are those the two people who are... <laughs> Randy says Norris and Bob Murray says Stanley Cup. <laughs> All right, so after Randy is Perry. Oh, Perry? Quick. Yeah. 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 No, don't think. Don't think. Just do. Dirty. He's a legend. He's a legend. Dirty. We got legend and dirty. That is like opposite ends of that spectrum. And I love Perry, but the thing of him, I'm like, oh, he's dirty. Yeah. The the one that came to my mind second was Clutch. That was Clutch. Clutch and dirty. Very clutch. Mine was gets lost. Mostly because of the twins. Do you guys remember the play by Perry when uh, the the period was winding down? I think they were the game was tied against Vancouver. He scored a goal with under a second left off a feed from Getzloff. He like walked into the zone and just ripped it five hole, probably on Markstrom. I don't remember who was in net at that time for Vancouver, but uh, I remember that game in my. Remember, I was I remember watching that and freaking out at my house. Like, are you kidding me? And then Getzloff feeds Perry. We're gonna go to. Oh my God, he scored! Like they were gonna talk about going to overtime. Uh, Overtime. uh, This is how it's gonna end. Yeah, uh, my my favorite Perry moment is literally him uh, you know, taking it uh, against Ottawa and then just blasting it from this, uh, the slot area just over oh, uh, Emory's. Yeah, in the cup final. Like, that's probably my biggest one other than him, just his antics where he's talking to either Dadsu or he's effing with uh, Alexander Semen. He took his stick and, like, threw it. <laughs> like, he skated by it with, Jeff Carter. with Jeff Carter. So, he... I wanted to say like agitator, but I just feel that's more of like a um, a downgrade of what he actually did. So, but anyways, my whole thing was just Perry. My first thing I think it was like Perry gets sloth, like the twins. Dirty. Like they he were just dirty like, goals. He's got dirty hands. The, the and he's last, a dirty player. Uh, he's all three. He all the three last great moment. The last great moment we had from Corey Perry was that uh, that goal against Edmonton in the playoffs. Come back on Catella. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was it. And then from there, <laughs> kind of went went downhill. But not a bad uh, last great memory to, to end on before no. everything kind of went down. Before you, you, your career kind of went down. We kind of knew where it was heading after that. Yeah. Um, all right. So another Ducks player name. First, quick, just shoot it out as you, as you think of it. Niedemeyer. Skating. Oh. Uh, Incredible I was going to say legend skating. again, but I just said legend. <laughs> I just think he was skating. Guy's yeah, he's, he's just, uh, I, I just think like uh, icon, just like captain, face of the franchise at one point and still sticking around with the team after being a part of it, uh, the, the coaching side, the development side. Uh, yeah, that, that guy is just unbelievable. Uh, mine was, uh, <laughs> and once again, 
when you kind of <laughs> just think, when you think really quick and you just answer and you just write it down and you say it out loud, it, you look like you go, yeah, I could get with something better. But my initial thing was that I, I said to myself, said, Niedemar, first thing I thought of, Alfredson. Ah, uh, yeah. It was Alfredson taking a slap shot right, right to him in between the second period and that Ottawa series where we ended up winning the cup. And, you know, he did it. And literally, he could have lost his mind. He could have doubt. He could have like overplayed it where he got hurt. And it was just, you know, rallying part. And he's just like, he just did it, looked at the dude and said, You got to be kidding me. And then goes in the locker room and tells everyone, Do not get retribution. Win this game. Let's win the cup. And, you can call that leadership or whatever you want, but I just remember Alvin just just take yep. take taking a second to look up and decided I'm gonna shoot it at that dude, and the dude just went boom like. And then F to, you. to deny there, it. There's was a the giant best. ass under this. There's a Superman thing. You're, you're not you're not breaking this. So, anyways, I just when I think Niedermeyer, I just think that Alfredson shot. Okay, Ketslav. <laughs> Captain. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say Captain, but you said it before me. So oh, you can say captain. Is that your say thing? leader, captain. Just I think he's just a beast. I would think beast. That guy yeah. in, his, in his prime, beast is just the perfect like description for him. Uh, I, he might be the greatest stuck of all time. Honestly, uh, he yeah. might be, he's going to go down as probably the greatest stuck of all time. Sure. Uh, yeah, he, I think he has to. I mean, when you when it's, you look at what he's going to accomplish, what he's already accomplished, most games played in Ducks history, first player to hit a thousand games in franchise history will likely or i think i guess he already is right leading the ducks in, in mm-hmm. points uh over and he'll lead in in assists probably i don't know if he'll touch goals i don't think he will right because nah, team won't. is way way team in, is way up there but but he'll he'll lead in in pretty never much left almost the every category yeah yeah if he never leaves never if never left and captaining them for so long winning a stanley cup like he He'll have to go down as as the best duck ever, and, yeah, well, and, it's, and, and for longevity reasons, right? So no, not just longevity. I, I think when, no, you, when you look at wingers, shit. wingers are amazing, right? Like Korean and Slani, it's hard to come like, to come by that sort of chemistry. You know, in their prime, they were lighting it up on this team together. Uh, they went elsewhere; it didn't do so great, um, right? Which you can't hold against them either. Talk about their time in Anaheim, but I mean, wingers don't have the responsibility, the defensive responsibility. Uh, as as a center does, and I think Getzloff, you know, he's he's required to play on both ends of the ice, and I think he was a very underappreciated and undervalued center in this league because he plays in Anaheim. Yeah, say what you want about uh, you know people saying that's overplayed. I mean, it really is. If he played anywhere else, he's going to get the spotlight, and he would be garnered as it talked about all all the time during his prime. I mean, he was the reason why the Ducks made it past the Oilers, right? You remember that series before they went to the conference final. Um, just and he's still he's getting it done. Leader. Like yeah. at, the, at this age, he's still getting like. And and I wasn't saying that to slight Getzlaff. I'm just saying when you look at pure skill level and rating guys in, in all time and how great they are compared to you know players in history. I, I don't think you can say he was a better player than Timo Solani. Uh, when you're looking at some of the best players in, in history, that's not to say he's a bad player. Timo Solani is one of the best players to ever play the game. And in that sense, I was saying, you know, as for longevity reasons for Ryan Getzlaff being here longer, I think, you know, let's say if it was Ryan Getzlaff instead of Corey Perry who would left, then there would be the argument to be made there. You know, who was the best player? I think you could make that argument between uh, Timu Solani and uh, Paul Cree and Ryan Getzlaff. But Ryan Getzlaff is going to be here, at, you would assume, until he's, at least his contract's forever. up, if not it's, longer. He's, yeah. he's going he's to sign again. He, he doesn't want to play into his mid-40s. That, he's number one. You know, we, yeah. we know he doesn't. He's 34 now. He owns this team, right? He's captain for 10 years. This is his team. 
and he's really proven to be a great player and a great leader. He's yeah. just laughing he's it up beast. over there. I'm not sure. We're giving him all the sure. love of the world. We're, we're, we're like gushing over uh, No, nah, that's, that's fine. And you guys have said everything I, I would have ever wanted to say about Getzloff. My first thought, the second I there said to myself, Getzloff, it's not Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You guys are just admiration, admiration forever. And you guys are just laying out the groundwork out. Hall of Famer, greatest second one. I got snot rocket, guys. <laughs> I mean, this is really cool booger thing. Have you seen it? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a double barrel. I mean, it's impressive as hell. I can't get around how great he is at the snot rocket. If I ever get that opportunity to actually interview him, I will ask him, how is he so good at it? It just blows me away he can do it. Um, uh, so anyways, but yeah, what you guys just said was good, too. And uh, very last one, we I should have really ended on Getzloff with all that love because this last one's really going to fucking make you guys annoyed. Um, Bob Murray. <laughs> Bargain. First, Bargain. Bargain. Yeah. Man, I was going to say uh, underappreciated, but that, uh, yeah, I, I no guess so. I mean, that, 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 that was the first one that yeah. came to me because that's a lot bad. of the comments that's, that's recently with the Ducks. Be, yeah. You want to know what I said? He's. Good ish, good ish, good ish. And I guess that's that's on the same wavelength. This is my answer. He's not that. He's not that bad. Well, it's a small market team. (laughs) He's he got this team, and they were in the conference finals. It seemed like for five straight years, right? I know they weren't, but they're in the playoffs all the time. Uh, They were competitive every single year in this division. He's able to work things out, even by bringing in bottom barrel guys. So. I mean, he's made some idiotic decisions, but every GM makes idiotic decisions. And, and I'm not I'm not trying to say because he's underappreciated that means he's the best GM in the league. No, he's not. But he's by not the worst GM in the league. And no, I think he's, he's top, in the top, top half of the league. So top so top fifteen. Top fifteen. I think he's in top fifteen. He was uh, top ten. Uh, he fell off a couple seasons ago. Yes. There's been some decisions that I think that, that you maybe could say have taken one of the top ten, but there's so much. Um, that would be another good one. Who's who's ahead of him? Who well, you'd, you'd have to also think of like there's been a lot, a lot of turnover on GMs, right? And then you have to take into account you know some of the newer GMs who are looking pretty good right now. Like, can you put Kyle Dubas over Bob Murray? You know, Kyle Dubas certainly hasn't done anything wrong, but he also hasn't been around that long either. So, you know, and 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 maybe the same can go for Steve Eiserman because he hasn't been around as long. I, th- I think you could still put Steve Eiserman as one of the best GMs in the league. Yep. But that argument can be put out there because he hasn't been around as long. So maybe he's in the when he's in the league as long as Bob Murray is, he makes some of the same mistakes. Pat already just said he gave Val Taylor Field a no, a no trade clause. Happens. That can be right up there Allegedly. with uh, with him giving BX a no trade clause. Like it's the same type of decision. But you have to maybe remember too with some of these decisions is you bring in players for the room. And that is a thing, yeah. and that's fine. And, and you don't, you don't. Everyone, I know, we always like to make fun of the, you know, the leadership, the the grit, all that stuff. But <laughs> there are guys that in the league that players will tell you they just love having that guy there. We love that yeah. guy. Like, and, and I can see Brian Joe Payne being one of those guys. Bring him in. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And and yeah, I, I would still say he's top fifteen in the league. I would really have to sit down and, and go and look at the other GMs to to say that's if he Patreon would be top, top ten or not. That top ten. Yeah, but lower top ten. All right, but well, he's good. definitely I, he's definitely being. You know, people are saying he's not one of the worst GMs in the league, and I think that's you, you can't say that. No. <laughs> it's mostly Ducks fans that are saying. Yeah, that. oh yeah, they don't, they don't know. It's only Ducks fans. <laughs> yeah, um, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was it. All right, that actually went a little bit better. I thought you guys were gonna say idiot, like just beyond stupid. Nah, just, no way, like, man. Can't no. handle him. This guy needs to go. Okay, all right, all right. We're all. Come on, you know Ed and the other ones can shut up half the time. So you. you bring right, I, thought, I, thought, I thought armchair GM. I thought you guys would be like, oh, I could do a better job than that guy. Like, nah, I was no screwing way. it up. I mean, I can, but I wouldn't. Say that. <laughs> I don't have the time right. in my life to be a GM. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, that was it. That was let's get to the shootout brought to you by CoolHockey.com. This is where the segment of the show we talk about all the NHL news around the league. Uh, the top story is not going to dive into every team. But uh, if you guys haven't already, yeah. go to CoolHockey.com. Buy yourself a jersey. Ed, our promo is working again, right? FM20 will get people 20% off their jerseys at CoolHockey.com. Should be. Um, I've been told it should be. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I have I have also it. not checked it. Ed, go buy so a jersey I, for me. Yeah, I, uh, if you you can check it if it, if it applies at checkout, then for sure. If not, let us know and and we'll get that fixed. So yeah. I I believe it is working again. But yeah, we will. <laughs> I, we'll I also have until it happens. Yeah, we love yeah. cool hockey. Go check them out. They're legit jerseys. You can get them all customized with all the legitimate stuff that you would ever find anywhere else. They're a great place. They sponsor our Forever Mighty Three Stars, also, which you can find on Twitter forty five minutes before the game. Uh, check us out. Uh, on game days for that with your chance to win a jersey at the end of the month um let's get to nhl news boys did you guys know there was uh, a game played in sweden two games played in sweden uh today and yesterday did you guys hear about that i did i heard about it but not until literally earlier this weekend the only reason i heard about that is because friend of the show phil is a tampa bay lightning fan and he was looking at making like game day graphics, and I was I was looking at the games, and I said, "Oh, that game's in uh, Buffalo, right?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, "Dude, it says at Buffalo." And he's and and I was I thought I was like, "Yeah, I'm right here," and I'm like, "This guy's a Lightning fan, so he schooled me." And he's like, "No, no, it's in it's in Sweden." Right. I was like, "Oh, all right. I heard I about it three they did days ago." The season, though. I, yeah. I, I I actually knew it about like a week and a half ago, only because I had Victor Hedman on my. Uh, fantasy team and he was technically on the ir he was out or whatever and then i kept like trying to look like well when's he coming back like he's hopefully going to be back to play in sweden with his country other than that didn't know about it till probably two days before i didn't see any advertisement for it i just knew about it i was just waiting for it other than that yeah unless you were uh, aware of your uh, star defenseman who happened to be swedish which was darlene and uh, headman other than that you probably wouldn't have heard about it very interesting the way the league approaches these things, right? I, I don't understand the marketing behind it or the lack thereof. I, I really don't understand why that happens. Why they well, well, they, they, but they don't have to market it here, right? Yeah. Like, uh, it doesn't really the game's matter. Game's on at us. eleven. I think they do a good job in sense of, of marketing of bringing players that that country will want to see. So, uh, in the sense of ha- Hedman and Dalene for Sweden, Landis and, Dog and um, yeah. Well, they well, were didn't they before. have a Carlson in one for another season? Yeah, one, so, yeah, yeah, I think it, yeah. Uh, and next year it's Pasternak, uh, and, and I think it's Nashville and Boston in, in the Czech Republic. So that makes sense. No, for Pasternak. So I thought it was Columbus. It might be. Yeah, they're in one of them, but Pasternak yeah. is in is in the Czech Republic one, so that makes sense. And then I believe there's one in Switzerland where Nashville plays. I think maybe the Devils. It's Hischer and, and Roman Yossi. So they're in, in, in Switzerland. And there's two more, but the, the other ones are preseason ones. is Boston versus one of the teams in the DEL in Germany. So they play uh, preseason. And then 
there's another preseason one that I think Nashville plays one of the teams in Switzerland. So there's there's four different countries. I believe it's the Czech Republic, Germany, Switzerland, and Finland. Finland was the other one. Yeah. And it's Colorado for Rontanen, and I forget the that second team. Actually, I think it was Colorado and Columbus for that one. So it was it was really Rontanen was the big name for that one. I think uh, Columbus has the uh, Finnish GM, and they have a couple Finnish players in their system too. So they do a good job in that sense of matching teams up. That would work there. I wish they, they would just let everyone know ahead of time, like big time. Like It, it would have been tough to watch the one on Friday. It was going on in the middle of the day for us. But would have yeah. been nice to know the game was going on today. I might have tuned oh, in out of my parents' house no. and put it on. You I do. Have. I would have liked to have watched that. Are you kidding well, me? I mean, like, I think it's cool to see how other te- the uh, other countries fans in the react. afternoon. Yeah. If you just check the schedule, the game the game's yeah. on in the afternoon. I, I get what you're saying, though. I get what you're saying. They didn't they didn't really market it here that much that it was a global series game as much as they probably did there. They don't you know why they won't as much. They don't want to give people I, any sort of hope that we're going to the Olympics, which is what I want to get to next. What Gary yeah, Bettman said. That that was really a thought I had to really quick before you segue <laughs> to that. I was like, I wonder if they're making this happen as their own thing to like make the players who really are objecting to it. Like, oh, Ovechkin really hates that he's not in the Olympics. Let's make uh, Washington play in Russia in one of the global yeah, series or something happen. like that. Oh, yeah, Russia that won't happen in Russia. Russia won't be, yeah, for the Russia global series. That. that is never happening. So, but like all the other ones. China first. <laughs> yeah, which is what's going to happen for sure. But uh, one of my Chinese people playing hockey. So I, I, here's what Bettman said. I know the players love representing their countries. I know that the players like going. I know that the players that don't go like having a break in the middle of the season. But from our standpoint, we found that going to the Olympics to be incredibly disruptive to our season. So no wrong. movement. Nothing's happening unless the NHL starts making a ton of money off the Olympics from the Ice Hockey Federation. Then they're not they're not going to go. It's a money game, and the Ice Hockey Federation and the Olympics uh, they're not going to pay them, right? I mean, NBC owns all that coverage, right? The Olympics do. You you can't watch any highlights on NHL.com at all from the Olympics. You're not you're not allowed to broadcast them. Hundred percent. So hundred percent. So at this point, it's literally just. Will the NHL get paid to send their players? And they if they won't, give a shit about the break. Uh, yeah. they don't give a shit about the money. Pay them. No, no one cares that there's a big break. But they're going to say they do because oh, it really interrupts our season every once every every, every four years. We get really ornery about that. All the, no, it's like hey, you didn't give us money. Well, we're going to use this reason, that reason, that reason. If you give us money, well, that reason doesn't seem so bad anymore. This, this is the problem I have <laughs> with it is because. The NHL is contradicting themselves, saying they want to globalize the sport and get it out there. And you look at the te- the league that's probably done that the best is the NBA, and they've you know basketball has now become the second most popular sport in the world behind soccer because the NBA has such done such a good job in, in getting the sport out there and, and having global events like this and having you know the players go to the Summer Olympics and having all their best players go to the Summer Olympics and, and not caring about that because then you get to see all the best players in the world stage. And yeah, like literally 90% of the, of the best players are all from the U.S., but you still get some of the best talent from other countries out there so you get good games and yet gary bettman says hey let's have a global series where we could show off our game worldwide but we're not going to send these guys to the olympics and and have them show off you know our best talent on the world stage like that's contradicting yourself why not send these guys to the olympic if your goal is to have hockey in the nhl become a more global sport in the league like stick to your guns if you're going to pick one side of the argument 
real quick question to both of you because I felt like I had to fight you guys on this last time we had this discussion about it being a Winter Olympics. I think specifically, Ed, I can't quite remember if Pat was with you on this one, where you said, listen, it's an amateur sport. It's not supposed to be the professional athletes in the Winter Olympics. My my theory at that time was it should be the best athletes in the world competing. Are you saying that the I've NHL always been pro-Olympics. Okay, so... Uh, I still stand by the, 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 the sentiment and the arguments I had back then. Um, and and I, you know, listen, Gary Bettman's not wrong when he says it, it interferes with their schedule. I'm not saying it's that a good one, argument, but he's not. Year. He isn't. But no, he isn't. He isn't wrong in the sense they. Okay, have to yeah, dude. But they do the World do Cup it. of Hockey before preseason. That doesn't disrupt I'm, the players. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that's a, a good argument. But they I'm make just money off he's it. He's not wrong. He's not wrong in that sense that it does disrupt the NHL schedule. Yes, the one thing there I remember. Are no games happening, yeah, the games. one thing I remember being pretty adamant about was players whining about it. Shouldn't whine about it when they have contracts and they have agreements with NHL teams. It's it and like listen, you're contracted to play for an NHL team. If the NHL says you can't go, you can't go. So well, don't what if they, well, what if they work well, that's the NHL. They sign it with a team, it's up to the team's discretion whether or not those players can go. But now the NHL steps in and, and says oh, team, no NHL It's the old boys club. League, you can't do that. And can't do that. Teams play under the league and, and the league ultimately handles the team's business when it comes to sending players. You remember players. that? You remember go. that when the, the Washington GM said, we don't care if OVOs, yeah, yeah, he should yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. But what he was doing now, there was playing good cop, bad cop. Right? I, I, yeah, I, I said he could I go, did. but bad cop. I, like, I felt like I was fighting to get the players to go into the Olympics when I was talking to you guys. Um, I know specifically Ed was just saying, yeah, it should be an amateur thing, and, you know, yeah, yeah, it disrupts it. So, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I just feel like, you know, if – if a team ends up having to go to Europe and play two games, they're gone from their yeah, home that's, thing. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. It's it like doesn't make sense if you're Gary back. Batman. If you're Gary Batman and you're willing to do that and you're saying you want to grow the game globally, then why are you not sending players to the Olympics? That's what I don't get. If, you, if you're going to stick to your guns and say you're not going to the Olympics, don't do a global series and pitch the whole thing behind the global series as we're trying to grow the game globally. Mm-hmm. Then oh, send your players to the Olympics. Then, like the and, and like Pat said, it, it all comes down to money because they can make money off the global series. They can't make money off the Olympics. So if you're gonna if you're gonna do, just say it's because you don't make money off of it. We all yeah. know that's the reason. We all know that's the reason they're not going to the NHL. That's so shallow. Because, <laughs> and, and he dances around it by saying oh, it's, it interrupts our season. Yeah, it interrupts your season because you interrupt the amount of money you could make. You can come not. with a million reasons why not to if do it. The, they could the risk brand... of being hurt the players for the Olympics and then have Olympic coverage streaming stuff on their, on their website. Uh, if they were able to show Olympic stuff on NHL.com or NHL, uh, what's the NH- Oh my God. I can't think of it. NHL tonight <laughs> or NHL network, any of that stuff. If they were able to show any of those games or do anything like that, which NBC would never give up those broadcast rights. It's not happening. But if they were to be able to pull anything from the Olympics and get, make some money, it would probably make the owners be like, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay. I wonder this whole I wonder injury if, uh, thing disrupt the season. The NBA, yeah, it's just a bunch risk, of yeah. garbage. I don't follow basketball enough to know if the NBA does that. I'd be interested to see if when the Summer Olympic goes on for basketball, if the NBA is allowed to broadcast any of those games on, you know, NBA on TNT or, or you know, NBA's version of the NBA or the NHL network. I'm, I'm interested to see if they are able to pull any of that uh, Olympic coverage or not, or if that's just an IOC 
thing where you can't, you know, they choose I, who I don't their think, broadcasting partners are. Yeah, I, I think NHL TV and NBA TV or NFL TV is very similar. It's just games that are happening here. If you start yeah. going to Olympics, it becomes a national broadcast. Well, yeah, it's, it's not the IOC who controls the broadcast rights. So if the IOC yeah. says, hey, uh, NBC and CBC here and, you know, whoever it, yeah, it's have the broadcast own. rights, then it's that's it. And I think the NHL, if they wanted it, they'd probably have to pay for it. They'd probably have to say, if you want to broadcast it on NHL.tv, oh, you yeah. have to pay us to yeah. get it. And NHL is not going to spend more money when they already don't want players to go because of money. So that's just, it's not going to happen. No, they can't yeah. even figure out their player tracking stuff and, and able to pay for that correctly, right? <laughs> they can't even get shot locations locations correct, uh, you know, for analytics sites. So the NHL's in, I don't know, can't, can't trust them. <laughs> Let's end the show on a positive note. Um, Disney Plus, I don't know if you guys are going to get it in your household, but we signed up to get it. For sure, because uh, yeah, a lot of yeah. awesome programming. Yeah, I've, I've got two young kids. It's gonna happen. And We're getting six bucks a month. Can't beat it. Incredible movie selection. Uh, the Mandalorian, which Star I'm excited Wars, for for yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, the Marvel. Mighty Mighty Ducks reboot series. Did mm. you guys hear about that? I don't know heard if you guys it. heard. I don't know anything about it, but so, I heard they're rebooting it. So, so but is Emilio Estevez going to be in it? They're not rebooting. No, they're not rebooting the movie. They're Charlie Sheen turning it into a series <laughs> based on the movies, and it's uh, reportedly it's a about a 13-year-old boy who gets cut from a junior division Mighty Ducks team, and then the boy and his mom start their own team by finding players, a coach, and somewhere else to play. Is that watchable for you or no? I'm out. <laughs> you're gonna watch it i know you're going to you're that, so gonna it, watch that i i i'm imagining this as like a hallmark it's type not made thing. for us right it's yeah yeah kids. i think it's like it's hallmark made and you know hey you got uh yeah along the same lines of like uh high school musical another disney thing where it's just like you know hey you know uh you know 13 year old kid and his mom you know fight the odds and somehow they make it work I, that that sounds horrible what about, uh, yeah, what about I don't, you know, I, I, I don't even get Disney Plus until it comes. It goes to the U.S. first, and I don't even get it until I don't even know when it comes to Canada. So I'm indifferent on it until I can actually <laughs> see more of it. Are you excited I'm not, I'm not about excited the show, Ed, or no? Nah, no. I, <laughs> you want to come no. over? We'll watch I'll it. Watch over it. Here. We'll watch I'll it watch it, but I, I'm not excited for it. Yeah. All right, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a hard out. I think I'll, I'll, I'll give it the I'll get the first. I'll give it its first three. five minutes. If it doesn't hook I'll give it a go. Yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll give it the first three episodes and see what it's like. I'll give it. Five I'm more excited minutes. for Mandalorian and the other movie selection. All right, well that's it for the show, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming in on to Twitch and listening to us live. Uh, you know where to find us all over social media. Go to our website forevermighty.com. Um, and you know what? We'll be back next Wednesday coming up. And roughly around the same time, right? Like 7.30 p.m. Pacific time is what we're looking at. Or yep. Yeah. So right around then. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great one. Bye, guys. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.